let's turn our Bibles to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, we'll read the first 12 verses, and this afternoon <clears throat> we focus on verse 11 and verse 12. James chapter 4, I commence reading from verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore it Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the evil, resist the devil, and he will flee you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exhort you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? We are back in our study in the book of James. And as we've been going through the book of James, we've seen that true faith shows itself in practical, godly living. And this is James' emphasis as he wrote this letter. And this ought to be our concern as well, that our faith must show itself in practical, godly living. In chapter 4, James labored to show that true faith practice humility in relationships. There will be no partiality, rather there will be no quarrels, there will be no fights, because there will be a practice of humility in relationships among God's people. 
And in concluding <coughs> the section on uh, practicing humility and resolving conflicts, James elaborates on the Lord's command against judging one another. And his message is this, to resolve conflicts, to practice humility, stop speaking evil of others, and submit yourself to God's authoritative word. Stop speaking evil of others and submit yourself to God's authoritative word. And this is his, conclu his, his concluding remarks on the section of practicing humility. That we, we need to stop speaking evil of one another and instead we must submit ourselves to God's authoritative words. And, and, and in setting yourself up as a judge or as you speak evil of others, James is saying it leads to conflict and broken relationships. And James understood that our attitudes are not always what they should be towards one another. And sometimes what we think eventually finds its way through our mouth and we say it with one another. It actually shows what is really in our hearts and what our view of others is. And hence the caution against speaking evil of others. He cautions against speaking evil of others. And the first thing we see there is the command he gives, or the command given. And the command that is given is in the first part of verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The prohibition introducing this verse will be more accurately translated, do not speak against one another or do not speak down against one another rather than what the NIV would say is do not slander one another. It's do not speak down on one another or do not speak down on, on others. Now, this would be equivalent to our modern day saying of uh, running each other down. So James is basically saying we should not be running each other down as believers in the church. Now the, the reason why the NIV and few other versions will probably use the word slander is because the verb that is used by James 
might also has the same root as the word that is used in Greek for slander. Now, the way James is, is using that, that verb, it is, it, it is more, it's a broad term. It includes slander, but it's broader than, than that. And this verb only appears in the book of James and twice others in, 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 in 1 Peter. So let's turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2 and also, first, and also in chapter 3. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible reads, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So that, that word that in English is when they speak against you, it's the same verb that is used by, by, by James there uh, in, in, in our passage. And then in chapter 3, verse 16. Chapter 3, verse 16 of First Peter. Again, he's saying the context is suffering for righteousness' sake. And then in verse 16, Peter writes, Having a good conscience... So that when you are slandered, those who, are, who revile you, your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So that word slander, it is the same word as speak against, and it's the same word that James uses here. Now in, 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 in First Peter, in chapter 2 and in chapter 3, the context there is that it is non-Christians that are speaking down on Christians. They, they are speaking against Christians and Peter is saying, let your conduct be in such a way that when they speak down on you, they have nothing against you. They have nothing that is going to hold because there is nothing that they can point to you. And it's the same thing in chapter 3, verse 16 of 1 Peter. It's like when, those, when you are suffering, Peter is saying, you must suffer for the sake of righteousness, not because of your wrongdoings, so that those who slander you or who speak against you as Christians will have nothing to say and therefore be put to shame. Now, in the context of James, it is brothers or fellow believers who are speaking against fellow believers. And hence, the command that uh, James gives, do not speak against your fellow believers or do not speak evil against one another. Now, the idea there about speaking evil against one another, it refers to mindless 
thoughtless, careless, offensive speech directed against others. It is mindless, thoughtless, offensive, untrue speech directed at others. And speaking evil of others includes willful false accusations. A willful false accusation, exaggeration of thoughts that are real, but exaggeration of those thoughts. But it also includes needless repetitions of real thoughts. Needless repetitions of real thoughts. And it also includes slander and gossip. And this refers to that offensive speech that is maliciously intended to influence others against the person being spoken about or against. It's a malicious intent to influence others against the person being spoken about or against. And it's, it's generally assumed that these harsh, critical remarks are about someone who's absent and cannot defend themselves. The person being spoken about is not there to defend themselves. And the person who is speaking ill about this, this individual has this malicious intent to influence what others think about this individual. And it is the rage that deliberately calls attention to the faults of others while minimizing their virtues. So, so what James is saying is that what is being said in con might be true, but this harsh and unkind manner of the way the information is being presented is to call attention to the faults of an individual and minimize their virtues, their positive virtues, their contributions, because there's a malicious intent to harm the person. And in most cases, that person is not even available to defend themselves. And so when James gives this command, he says, do not speak evil against one another. And the threefold reputation of the word brother shows that this was happening in the context of the Christian community. You see that in verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother 
or judges his brother, speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And this threefold repetition of that word brother is to drive this point home. James is reminding his audience and reminding us of the family relationship we share with other Christians. And speaking evil of, of other brothers is the opposite of what is expected and acceptable in the Christian family. Because in that Christian family, whose members are to love, support, and protect each other, James is saying, this is the opposite. And it's because of this that you have quarrels and fights among yourselves. Instead of recognizing that we belong to one family, you are busy, maliciously, speaking ill of one another, and not in the presence of each other, but you want to garner support so that there's this change of attitude towards the person that is being spoken about. While Christians are to expect slander, evil speaking, from outside the church, slander or evil speaking is unacceptable in the church of Christ. Hence, James is clear. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. And as we've been seeing through our study, through this, this letter, James wrote to present a test of living genuine faith. And having shown in, 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 in chapter 4, in in the, in the first 10 verses, particularly in verse 10, the mark of a true believer, which is humility, he then reveals one practical way in which humility is violated. It is when we speak evil of one another. And what show forth is pride. And this pride reveals itself when we speak ill of one another. And a person who is characterized by habitual slander or evil speaking of others or habitual condemnation of others reveals an evil, unloving, unregenerate heart. And therefore, because 
their heart is unregenerate, the mouth becomes a tunnel through which depravity leaves the heart. Because remember what the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if the heart is unregenerate, the mouth will simply become a tunnel or an opening through which the depravity in the heart finds its way through the mouth. And hence the caution, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. And, and we've had this caution throughout our lives, haven't we? From the young age, we were taught, or taught as children, not to speak evil, or not to speak at all if we, we do not have something good to say. And yet, many times we are guilty of speaking against our brothers. And James is, 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 is cautioning us that we must suppress the desire to condemn or to speak evil of others. He admonishes us as believers not to be in the habit of speaking evil of one another, but rather that we must be individuals who live lives of humility and seek to do that which honors our God and helps those who call upon God together with us from an upright heart. We must set a good and better example to the world of what it means to be born again and to be under the control and the power of the Holy Spirit. But as it was in the in the case of James's time, as it is in our own days, some of the harsh words ever spoken to other believers have been from fellow believers. And sometimes some of those harsh words are uttered within the four walls of the, of the church building. And we must guard against such attitudes that result in harsh words being spoken to each other. We must recognize that James shows us that we are brothers. That even in those moments of intense differences, we must still show the world that we are brothers. We must sit and seek to resolve 
pray and help one another discuss these issues in a brotherly love. Focusing on honoring our God with our lives and with our conduct. Someone has said that the church is the only army which wounds its own soldiers. And here we see the command that is given do not speak evil against one another, brothers. But secondly, we move on to see the reasons for the command given. The reasons for the command given. Verse 11, halfway to, uh, through to verse 12. We see the reasons for the command given. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? We see there James first states objectively the significance of this evil practice. And he gives two reasons. The first is that it is a breach of the law of God. It is a breach of the law of God. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges <coughs> the law. And James is saying the reason why we must not speak evil of one another is that it is a breach of the law of God. And he's really putting things in their proper perspective here. And he's saying, if you speak evil of one another, you are in incense speaking evil of the law of God, and you are judging it. Because according to, to the Bible there, revealed by James, is that anyone who speaks against his brother or who judges him speaks against the law. In other words, is that when we judge others, we are breaking the very law we claim to enforce. We are breaking the very law we are claiming that we are enforcing. And how are we breaking the law? According to James, he that, as he says in the last part, but who are you to judge your neighbor? He's actually reciting in summary the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
When the Lord Jesus Christ says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so if you are to love your neighbor as you love yourself, and then engage in speaking evil, you are not keeping the law of God. When you have this, this, this judgmental spirit that tears down others, you are essentially claiming that there are some parts of God's law that do not apply to you. We all know that the law of God represents the holiness of God. It reveals God's desire for our lives. And when we speak evil of others, of God's children, we have actually spoken evil of God and the Lord himself. And James is saying, it's not the law of God you're trying to enforce because it is the law of God that tells us how to go about correcting one another. And it must be in a spirit of humility and love and the goal is always to win the brother and or the sister for the glory of God. But when you speak evil of them, the very law you claim you are enforcing, you are breaking it. And he says, but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And James there speaks of those who feel as if they've reached a certain level of spiritual superiority over others so that they, they can pass judgment on others, pass judgment on their behavior, claiming that they are enforcing God's law. Yet in reality, they are breaking the very law they want to enforce and excusing themselves from being held accountable by the same law because somehow they feel they have reached a level of spiritual superiority and can pass judgment on others by overlooking what God says in his word. But the second reason that James gives is that it is an infringement of the prerogative of God. When you speak evil of others, you are infringing on the prerogative of God. Verse 12, 
There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? And James is trying to show the folly of trying to usurp God's place. And he's saying there's only one lawgiver and one judge. God alone is the sovereign ruler and judge of the universe. He is the one who puts the law in place. He's the one who gives the law. And he's the one who determines who to be destroyed and who to be saved. He is the one who knows how the law must be applied. He's the one who gives us a standard on how to relate to each other in the church of the law, in his church. And James insists that God and God alone is the lawgiver and the law applier. And therefore he admonished his audience to realize that our Lord is the only one who's ab- who gives the law, for he himself is the law. He's the only one who can pardon and condemn. He's the only one who can save from sin or reject unto everlasting punishment. We have no right to assume the role that only God possesses. So he's saying, those who speak evil against one another with a spirit of slander or or judgmental spirit, they are infringing on the rights of God, who alone can judge and is the lawgiver. And he ends by point, with a pointed question. But who are you who judge your neighbor? But who are you to judge your neighbor? His best card is implying that do you think you are God? If not, why do you set yourself in God's role? Because he's saying this kind of evil speaking towards your brethren stems from incredible arrogance. And with that in mind, James is saying, it is because of this attitude in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that quarrels and fights and wildness 
stem from. That you forget that you belong to the same family and you go on assassinating each other's character. Speaking evil of one another. And as you do so, you are speaking about a person who cannot defend themselves. And as you speak about that person, you are convinced that you are enforcing the law of God. And yet that very attitude shows that you are breaking the very law of God. And James is saying, this is the caution that I'm giving. Stop speaking evil against one another. Instead, humble yourselves before God. Submit yourself to the authoritative word of God and let him by the power of his spirit sanctify you and conforming you into the likeness of his son. So that when you want to address issues with your brethren, they are done with the spirit of Christ for his glory and for his honor. And obviously, as I was writing, there must have been some who had objections. They were giving objections uh, to this, the reasons given. And saying, look, so does this mean that we should never correct each other? those are the objections going through and those are some of the objections going through your mind. Does it mean that we should never correct each other or correct someone? And also that seems to be a common thread or theme in the evangelical church today. In fact, as a matter of fact, the one verse that most people, most Christians would run to is Matthew 7, verse 1. Do not judge, lest you, are, you be judged. And the argument is that we have no right to point out sinful behaviors of others. But that isn't what James is saying. And it certainly wasn't what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying. Throughout the letter of James, James has been telling his audience that they are engaging in sinful behavior and they need to change. And if James is saying here that we must not correct one another, we might, we might not rebuke one another, then James would be a hypocrite to, to come in this verse and begin to say or teach that we must not judge one another or rebuke one another, or correct one another. Even the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 7 was not teaching that we must not correct or rebuke one another. In fact, in Matthew 7, when you read a few verses down there, you see that the Lord Jesus Christ himself was saying, you must be able to tell or judge a true prophet from a false prophet. 
And how are you going to do that? His life will show. Judge the fruit of those true prophets and, the, and false prophets, and you'll see that by their conduct, you will know who belongs to God and who does not. And so surely they, those, there must be a level of judgment. And also when James is writing here, he knows that we will judge one another, we will correct one another, we will rebuke one another. And so James is not in any way saying there must not be that spiritual attitude of correcting one another, rebuking one another, instructing one another. But what he was against is speaking evil of one another, having this malicious intent to speak down on fellow brothers while minimizing their virtues. We are to correct one another with the scriptures. And when we use God's word as a standard of correcting one another, we are showing one another that we are not above the law of God. We submit to the law of God. We are not giving personal opinion or preferences. We are giving the opinion of God's word. And therefore, we are all subjecting one another, submitting to God's law. This is the spirit in which James cautions us as believers. That yes, there, is, there will always be need to correct one another, even to rebuke one another, to instruct one another. But our goal when we are doing that is not to speak down on others or to put them down or to expose them as hypocrites. Our goal is to lovingly point out their sins with a view to win them back to Christ so that our God is honored. And that is not judging one another. That's not having a judgmental spirit. But it's a spirit that seeks the good of others. And it shows that we belong to one family. And we want the members of that family to live in accordance with the rules of that family what God expects of them. Therefore, as we rebuke them, 
We are conscious that we have our own thoughts, but we go with humility, depending on the power of the Holy Spirit, submitting to the scriptures and showing them firmly with 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 love what the scripture says so that we show our brother we show our sisters and as we do so we want to win them back to the fold of Christ so that they too can live in accordance with what Christ expects of his servants Submitting to God's word and seeking to build up others leads to unity and restored relationships. If fellow believers who we view as those chosen by God before the foundation of the world for whom Jesus died for, who are loved and honored by God and with whom we will spend eternity with in heaven, then we will seek to honor, to love, and to protect them while we are here on earth with them as we march to Zion. We will seek to rebuke, to correct, to instruct, but we will not speak against them in an evil way with a malicious intent to harm their Christian lives or their Christian conduct. And the way to do this is by keeping our thoughts and our attitudes towards our fellow believers in the right perspective. And our greatest example, the Lord Jesus Christ, lived in such a way that even when Peter denied him three times, he lovingly restored him to himself. And after resurrection, he gave him the task to feed his lambs. And we must seek to win one another back to the fold of God so that we form this strong family which seeks to promote the honor and glory of God, but also to show the world that while we'll have our own differences, serious ones, we will not speak evil against one another. We will protect one another because we recognize the Spirit of God in that brother and that sister. And God died for them and will spend the rest of eternity with them. And our prayer must be, 
brother, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. And as I do so, pray that I too will let you be my servant as we go through this journey. It is this kind of Christianity that will show the world that we are different. And by the power of God and his salvation, we seek to resolve issues in a way that honors the God who saved us from our sins. May we be each other's keepers for the glory of our God. Amen.